Hello, my name is Christian. I'm heading the company building unit for 31 of Porsche Digital. And I'm very happy to be here in the room together with Tim Lieberrecht. He's the co-CEO, co-founder and co-curator of the House of Beautiful Business. Tim, when have you traveled the last time? Ooh, I did something. I actually was at the Baltic Sea in, in the summer. So I stayed in Germany and went to the Baltic Sea. It was quite nice. Something I would not have done, I guess. Uh, probably had flown somewhere else or traveled somewhere else. It's interesting how, how our notion of travel has changed in light of the pandemic. It was something to look forward to and... Maybe you had sort of the paradox of choice. Now it's a, it's almost like it's a problem. Like, can you travel? Should I travel? Is it really a problem? I, I didn't have so much the paradox of choice. It's more like the it narrows dramatically your choice down right now, the situation. But I think the dream, the wish becomes even bigger in this time. So true. Well, tell that to two representatives of the travel industry that's really been suffering from the pandemic and the future of that industry and the future of travel in general is quite uncertain. And these two people are Sheree Robinson and Paolo Pisano, and they um, are having a conversation online about the future of travel. Sheree Robinson is an entrepreneur. She calls herself a Pan-Africanist. She's also a fantastic DJ, by the way, and the founder and CEO of Taste Makers Africa, an experiences marketplace that connects travelers to local insiders in African cities. And Paolo Pisano, well, you could say that his timing in terms of assuming a new position in his career was not exactly impeccable. In January, he became the chief people officer of Booking.com. Booking.com is the world's largest travel platform. And of course, he joined the company as chief people officer in the midst of this crisis. And the two of them, they'll uh, share with us what their visions are for the future of travel. Okay, these two guys really have a challenge ahead of them. So I'm very curious what they tell us about that. So let's listen to the new episode of the Next Visions and House of Beautiful Business podcast. Okay, Trendy, do you want to start introducing yourself and then I'll go after? Sure. This is so funny, actually. <laughs> it is weird. We'll make it work. We'll figure it out. <laughs> so, hi, Paolo. I'm Sheree Robinson, an entrepreneur. I run a company called Tastemakers Africa, operates all over the African continent, but increasingly global because of COVID. I'm currently situated in New York City. I'm kind of doing the opposite of everyone else, which is for the first time in my life, choosing to stay in New York City while everybody else in New York City is leaving. Um, so it's funny. I'm actually like legit apartment searching. So that's what, what I'm doing in life right now. <laughs> well, very nice to connect with you, Trey. I'm Paulo. I'm um, currently based in Amsterdam. I just moved here literally um, three and a half weeks ago. So in the midst of the pandemic, <clears throat> decided oh to change country. I'm, uh, I'm originally from Brazil, but I've been uh, traveling around the world for the last 20-something 20, 20 years. Mm -hmm. I work in HR and organizational development and executive coaching, mostly in the corporate world, but I do quite a bit of work with NGOs and the mm -hmm. third sector in general. Mm -hmm. And I moved here to work in the travel sector. So I chose the perfect timing in the world to join the travel <laughs> sector. So I'm, I'm learning my, my ropes in the, in the sector and actually looking forward to what's ahead because I think it's a weird time, but I think there's going to be some interesting things ahead of us. Absolutely. Are you at Booking? I am with Booking.com, exactly. I, so two years ago, 2018, I spent a month in Amsterdam going through Booking.com's startup accelerator. Oh, that's super. so I know booking very, 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 very well. Oh. I love them. 
going through that actually kicked off like a major phase of growth for my startup because we used to be just like a small group travel platform and sort of did a lot of like micro content um, around sort of a different narrative on Africa. And that's how we became popular. But I really wanted to make it a technology enabled platform and build like a sort of like a marketplace to compete with Airbnb experiences. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So started to build it um, and then applied to Booking Booster, which is their Uh, startup accelerator and literally left South Africa where I was at the time to go to Amsterdam and spent a good amount of time all over booking and have really fond memories of my time there and still very engaged with booking um, and all of our like booster alumni. So as soon as you said I moved for travel in Amsterdam, I'm like, he has to be a booking. Well, exactly. There aren't that many over here, right? But it's such a small world. It's wonderful. Because yeah, as you say, I'm learning the company. I've been six months in. I actually, I came to Amsterdam in March. Mm-hmm. I spent two weeks in Amsterdam. Mm-hmm. Then I, I went back to Lisbon, where I was based for the last four and a half years, to spend the weekend. And on mm-hmm. that weekend, we decided to shut down all the offices because of the COVID uh, virus. So I stayed in Portugal, working from my my little corner, kind of on the screen uh, the whole day. <laughs> and I've only managed to move to Amsterdam a few weeks ago. I came a couple times in between, mm-hmm. but uh, but I've been learning the company. And as you say, it's a very special place, right? Very interesting people, yeah, amazing creativity in the sector. Now you've been there longer than I have, but it's fascinating, right? It's it's something that's dear to me. So it's really nice to be now working with a lot of people that have uh, the notion of travel very much uh, front of mind, right? Yeah. For you, like, I never thought I would work in travel. Like, I never, and even sometimes I wonder, do I work in travel? Do I work in tech? That's like a whole other conversation. But I've always been passionate about experiences. I did this thing a couple of days ago on this platform called Icebreaker, where one of the questions was like, what is your superpower like amongst your family? Like, what are you known for? Mm. My answer was like being extra. Like I'm always the person that like any little experience, I'm always thinking like, how can I push it to be like the most amazing mind? Like I think that way. And so travel has always been like a beautiful place for that to show up. And I like doing that for other people. And so that's kind of on the industry side, I guess, how I ended up here. But for you, with 20 years of globe trotting under your belt, what made you sort of say, like, I'm going to go into travel as an industry? Yeah, it's, it was not, you know, if I'm sincere, it was not a super conscious choice, right? I've uh, started my career in consulting and then migrated uh, over time into organizational work, right? Organizations, leadership, people. I fell in love with what it means to to develop teams mm-hmm. and to develop work uh, places and workspaces in mm-hmm. a way that people can do their best and most creative work. Right, I'm passionate about that. So one of the interesting things about that work is that it cuts uh, across industries very easily, right? Mm-hmm. So I started in consulting, moved into financial services, went into uh, um, technology services, went into education, into media, into energy. So I've been moving around because I find it fascinating to cut across you know, sectors and industries mm-hmm. and, and to learn right from that. And you realize that there are a lot of differences, but also there's an incredible amount of similarities, right? As long as you have people working together, trying to get something done, mm-hmm. you have the same complexities, you have the same issues. Um, and, and, you know, I've learned to deal with that over the years. And I was working in 
based in Portugal in an international energy company for a while, was a fascinating experience. And actually, I came across people that had been in the network uh, before, and there was an opportunity at Booking. And I was already, you know, a user of Booking as an avid traveler myself. When I heard about it, I was really interested in it, you know, and I engaged in conversations with them. And as I got to know the people in the company, I think that's what really, really drew me in, right? So it was a mix of the sector with a mix of where is the company now? What are the challenges or the opportunities for the company? And who are the people, right? I've always chosen the project over the brand in a way. So mm. the fact that he was booking was great, mm. but it was more around what is it that they're trying to do now and who are the people behind that, right? Who are the leaders mm -hmm. who are trying to get something done? Mm -hmm. So yes, it was it was, um, it was a nice match, right? Having kind of the right project, the right people, but uh, an industry that I know very little about as an industry, but I think I know a lot about as a user, mm. right? As a traveler mm. myself. What about the right time? Like, how are you, I mean... <laughs> I'm gonna be honest, like in March, I basically was like, what in the world am I supposed to do now? Like, cause I'd kind of been building my company, bootstrapping, and then like got some funding right around the time that I went through booking, um, through the booking booster. And then still sort of didn't have a CTO and just was kind of like false start you know, for years, but somehow was building a brand. So we were still growing. And then finally, after Booking Booster, really closed like our first like uh, institutional investor and spent most of 2019 sort of ramping up in a major way and sort of had our biggest revenue year ever, finally launched mm -hmm. our platform um, by the end of the year and was really excited about 2020 because it was like the first time I had like the funding and the people yeah. that I'd kind of been mm -hmm. like, I mean, I was like a one woman show for a, a long time in my mm -hmm. startup, like with different people in and out over the years and finally felt like I had gotten to a good place. And then, you know, the world said, nope. And I was, yeah. I don't know, like it was, it was interesting. Like I sat still and I sat still for a few weeks, actually, and I was super thankful that our investors and other folks around us were very much like, you know, this is unprecedented. Don't feel pressure on yourself to find like the solve right now. But at the same time, to be honest, I was scared. I was just like, I've been working yeah. at this thing yeah. and finally had what I needed. And now I don't even know if this is like possible again. Like that's how it felt in March. But it feels very different now for a number of reasons. And I'm just curious from you, like timing wise, you're entering this industry that like you weren't in before at like a time of great upheaval, um, not just for this industry, but for the world. And like, how are you thinking about that six months into your job? Yeah, it's hard, right? Because I think we're all facing something that clearly is it's difficult to comprehend, right, the, the sheer magnitude of the change around us, right? And, and clearly none of us have ever lived through anything like this or thought we would live through anything like this. And I think, you know, it's affected everyone, but I think the travel uh, and entertainment or leisure kind of sectors, right, have been more affected probably than any other sector. So, of course, when I chose to join in the back end of last year, 
the nature of the project was very much around growth and expansion, mm. right? And actually what we've been going through since I joined in is more of a contraction, mm. right? And stabilizing. So like many other companies in the sector, we're having to go through the very difficult and very sad you know, process of having to reduce uh, our workforce and kind of stabilize the business. Mm. I think, you know, booking on itself is a very fortunate company in a way that it's got, you know, kind of financial health and scale so that it can, uh, you know, weather the crisis perhaps better than the many other organizations, but it's been deeply affected, right? Like everybody else in the sector. So for me, yeah, the nature of the work that I've had to do changed very significantly. It's not what I would have chosen, so to speak, to do. Mm. But at the same time, you know, I think the nature of what we do in, in, in HR or organizational development is, is really around helping people and helping organizations in, you know, kind of to overcome or to, I guess, to survive, but also to thrive in whatever circumstances you have, mm -hmm. right? So, you know, what we have now, it is very difficult, but my perspective is always a positive one, right? What, what can we do? How do we find what's the silver lining here? And how do we focus our, our energy and, um, you know, kind of our strengths into, into that silver lining? Booking, and you'll have probably seen some of that, is an organization that grew extremely fast, like many tech companies, and almost like too fast for its own good. So I think like many uh, fast-growing tech companies, it did incredibly well, but it didn't invest in some of the foundational mm. stuff, right? So, you know, if there's one silver lining, for example, is this is giving us an opportunity to take a bit of a step mm. back and to to invest more in the foundational mm. stuff, right? I wouldn't say to take a break, right? But is to, you know, as we slow down, we have a chance to reflect on what we're doing, it forces us to prioritize, mm. right? To focus on what's really more important, uh, to reduce a bit kind of the, the sheer level of options and alternatives and things you have running mm. in parallel. So it kind of gets everyone more focused, right? On what's really more important for the organization. So that that work on itself, I think is, is, uh, is interesting and is important, right? Because when you live in an organization that has a lot of resources, where kind of everything is possible, where everyone's very creative. It's nothing wrong with that, but you do have a tendency to disperse the energy in every mm -hmm. direction. And I think, you know, in a crisis like this, it forces you to focus the same way I think we are doing as individuals, mm -hmm. right? We are thinking about what's really important for us at, at yeah. this stage. I think companies are doing the same. So there's that part of it. But, you know, there's, of course, you know, apprehension from my side and kind of fear about, you know, kind of what's going to happen and what's yeah. ahead. But also hope, I think, and I'd be curious to know about how you're seeing it and how you live it kind of yourself from kind of from your kind of entrepreneurial stance. But I have a sense that the current crisis has made people uh, realize just how important other people are for them, mm -hmm. right? From, from the basics, right? Meaning everyone in society that had to continue to take risks and to work so that we could have, you know, food on the table, kind of electricity and water mm -hmm. and those basics running and everything. We realize there are people who are making that work so that everyone else is, you know, comfortable mm -hmm. and safe, but also missing our friends and our families, right? Because we couldn't socialize yeah. as much, et cetera. And also missing travel. I have a, a sense that now that a lot of the travel has been taken away, People are realizing how much they miss it. And yes, you can do a lot of stuff virtually and you can visit museums virtually and there's fantastic <laughs> stuff happening. 
but but you realize it's not the real mm-hmm. thing, right? So I have a, a sense or perhaps a hope that as and when things get a bit better, now there's a vaccine or treatments improve significantly or we adjust more to the new normal, people are going to flock back into travel uh, probably more than ever mm-hmm. before. I don't know if it's going to happen in one year or in three or in five, right. but I, I would imagine. But how do you see that? A couple of things. I think one, I wanted to kind of talk about this idea of like the pause being a, a time to reflect and sort of think about foundational elements. I found that mm-hmm. I think as an entrepreneur, someone said this to me yesterday. They were like, so there's no separation. There's no like work life and home life. It's just life. It's just all one life. And so I think I definitely felt that this was a necessary pause, both for myself and for my company. Um, one of the things you do, or I did, I guess, once I you know, closed around and had all these big investors and it was like, okay, we're going to scale. We're going to grow. We're going to get to 20 cities. We're going to do this. We're going to do that. And in many ways, I was like jumping to efficiency. And so my brain was all about like, do the thing that you can do 10 times. And so, you know, the people I was hiring for were about that. But with COVID and in the time I took to just say like, what do I care about? And how is that reflected, you know, in this company I'm building because many of the values are aligned. And I realized very quickly that at the end of the day, we were fortunate that we had a community behind us, a community of people who really cared about what we were working on beyond sort of booking a trip or a tour. You know, they really Mm -hmm. looked at tastemakers as a vision they could get behind, you know, as a purposeful company where they could see Mm -hmm. themselves And a lot of our customers are of African descent and really saw themselves for the first time represented in a company that was growing in the way we were. And instead of sort of saying, we're going to, you know, use this time to improve on product, you know, so to speak, and like go around new product features we're going to launch when it's over and like that route that I know a lot of travel startups did. Um, during this time, and it might have been the right thing for them, we decided that we were just going to focus on people. And we were just going to focus on people internally, and we were going to focus on our community and what they needed. And so we ended up launching this virtual conference, and it didn't even feel like a conference. It felt like a family reunion. And we really brought in people from our network all over the world to have conversations that were really taking this pandemic and saying, what can we as a community who's been energized by a historic 2019, which was the year of return, I'm not sure if you followed that at all, but year of return marked 400 years since the first um, ship of enslaved Africans arrived in North America. And so it was a historic year for Black people, to be honest. Like it was, there was so much happening. And so everyone thought like, we're going to keep that same energy in 2020. And so we thought, like, COVID's causing a reset. How can we bring our community together so that we don't feel lost, so we don't feel unmotivated, so we don't feel left behind, quite frankly? And so we just, we thought we were going to do it once. We ended up doing it monthly. 
and ended up really being a salvo for thousands of people in a way that if we were only thinking about when is travel coming back and when is transaction coming back, we wouldn't have been able to do. And I think individually, it helped me sort of get back to why I started. And, you know, I didn't, Mm -hmm. yes, I, I started the company and had hopes for it to grow, but ultimately I started a company because I cared about people and I cared about people finding themselves and seeing themselves and having something that showed up for them and allowed them to experience the world in a way that ignited something in them. Um, And so as an individual, I found that a lot of this has been journeying into myself to discover things about me that then allow me to be a better leader in my company. And so it's been really like a quiet space and like leaning into the quiet space versus finding things to fill it. And that's been incredible. I'm an extrovert or I was an extrovert. And I rarely, rarely, rarely took time to be by myself. And I found that Mm -hmm. in this time, I've learned that making the room for that sort of creative real estate where there's nothing coming in has proved to be of immense benefit to my personal growth, but also to the growth of my company. And on the side of travel, I'm super bullish on travel coming back. I'm super bullish on travel changing and people, you know, people call it slow travel, but I think the idea of savoring something that you once took for granted and really sort of understanding that it's not a given is really going to mm-hmm. have people travel a lot differently. And I and I agree with you where it's like, I do think there's going to be a spike of sorts, you know, and I already see people now, you know, mm-hmm. the, the boldest of the travelers are looking at the countries that are open. They're going there for a month. They're leaning into, you know, remote work being an opportunity to like live a life that they've always dreamed of, but didn't know how, or didn't feel the freedom to. And I think, Travel's relevance in helping people do that in a world where maybe we thought we were in control or we thought we were certain, but the reality is like we weren't, you know, the world can change. And I think that is a switch for many people. And I think it will show up in how they travel, where they travel, how often they travel. Um, I think it's going to show up sooner, like I know a lot of people think it's like a five-year thing. I personally don't think it's going to take that long. I think the numbers will definitely take Mm -hmm. some time to return to pre-COVID levels because we were in a really good place as an industry. But I do think the how is going to get really interesting, like how people travel. I completely agree with you. And I think it's it's wonderful to hear the kind of your personal experience, right? How how kind of the space it opened up for you was so so valuable, right? And so different, I guess, from kind of what you had before and the basis of the rhythm you were in, right? Kind of scale, 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 scale. And mm-hmm. that plus, as you mm-hmm. say, extrovert mm-hmm. is a combination that really kind of sends you in one direction, right? With a lot of purpose <laughs> and a lot of energy. But in doing mm-hmm. that, you kind of might miss out on other things, right, that are important also along the way. So I think, yeah, there's this amazing 
opportunity for reset that we're having, right, collectively. And in fairness, some more than others, right? So mm -hmm. although some people talk about the pandemic yeah. as an equalizer, I think is not as much an equalizer as perhaps, you know, many people think. I think people are living it in very different ways. But no. you know, if you're fortunate enough to be living it in a certain way where you can indeed kind of... Um, explore kind of uh, different spaces and different thoughts and different connections and different way of being, it, it can be an incredibly enriching experience. And even if you are going through the crisis from a perspective of, of duress, right, from it's harder, uh, it also has its its um, positive, certainly not to be felt in the short run, right? But we know that, you know, kind of that hard times also yeah. help us develop and help us grow. So I do hope that anyone going through that in, in a kind of harder and harsher way will be able to look back and hopefully you know, take something also of value as and when kind of the world becomes a slightly easier, easier place, I guess, right, uh, going forward. Absolutely. And I actually love that you like pointed that out. I think I found myself mm. reflecting on privilege a lot more and my own privilege um, I also find that I'm spending a lot of time thinking about how I talk about hardship. And it's interesting, the death of Chadwick Boseman really had me thinking about that, just his choices mm -hmm. that he made, um, you know, not to talk about mm -hmm. his cancer, not to let people know. It really made me consider how I share difficulty and how I consider privilege, you know, closing a mm -hmm. capital round in October is the reason my company still exists, you know, in COVID. There was no way we were going to be able to continue and even have the space to experiment and try something new, you know, had that not happened. And, and it's interesting though, because I think there was definitely a pendulum swinging moment as well. And I'm curious about what that looked like at booking and maybe bookings larger. So, you know, it felt more like a, a pause than a swing, but like at Tastemakers, there was a moment where we were like, are mm -hmm. we even going to be a travel company anymore? Like that was a question we had to answer. We said, Hmm, you know, there's this community thing happening over here, you know, yeah. should we just focus on that? Should we just like lean into that and, and not think about yeah. ourselves as a travel company but, you know, if I think about the last couple of months, really, it's about thinking of the long-term vision and understanding that we have a very specific role to play mm -hmm. in travel. We serve destinations that the travel industry has, in many ways, made mm -hmm. stereotypes stickier. You know, we, we focus on Africa and, you know, Till now, when people speak of African mm -hmm. destinations, there's still like an elephant or a lion or, you know, some kind of savannah yes. thing, even in 2020. And the people we serve, you know, and even our partners, you know, Tastemakers is a peer-to-peer -peer marketplace. And so we're building an ecosystem of people and destinations that are traditionally mm -hmm. underserved by our industry. And so the opportunity to continue to be that in the travel space and to grow that at a time where I think it's more evident for the world that this is necessary, even more evident than it was five years ago when I started working on this, feels like a space we shouldn't abandon. And so 
given that the winds of change globally, in addition to COVID, I feel very bullish about continuing to grow a space they can be proud of. And that sort of part of my purpose, but also part of our company's purpose is very present for me. And I'm curious about, you know, at Booking, are these conversations happening internally around not just COVID, but sort of these other winds of change that are happening at the same time? And how is that affecting like how you all think about destinations, like internal org structures, ways of thinking? Like, I'm just curious about, are those things yeah. happening? Yeah, or question. being talked I about? You know, the first thing that comes to mind, just hearing you talk about your own experience, right, is the big difference there is between uh, being a kind of startup slash scale up and being a more established, you know, organization, right? I think when you are a more established organization, the sheer scale that you have makes it very hard for you to contemplate a significant change, right, to your business model, at least in the short term, right? You do have Mm -hmm. examples in the past of companies that have pivoted more drastically, but more often than not, the pivot happens for organizations that are a lot earlier in their development. So, and I think there are amazing opportunities mm-hmm. to do that. And you have some fantastic uh, stories, right? Particularly in the tech space of companies that ended up being something very different, right? From what they originally thought they would be. Also in the third sector, right? I, I work with, mm-hmm. with an NGO in education uh, focused in, you know, in, in Africa and in India. And uh, we started also with an idea that then ended up pivoting to something that still based on that idea, but it ended up being quite different. So for booking, I think like any kind of relatively large organization, the focus in the short term was really more around uh, stabilizing and surviving, so to speak. Uh, I think it's only now, mm-hmm. and we're going through a pretty hard uh, restructure, right, at this moment, right? So it's been you know, mm-hmm. in the media, and it's a, it's a very difficult time, I think, mm-hmm. for the organization. I'd say probably, I think, for a lot of people at Booking, probably the saddest week they had at the company ever, because the company only grew from strength wow. to strength, right? And only recently, we had to make the very hard mm-hmm. decision to um, to make cuts, right, and to reduce and to stabilize. But mm-hmm. But at the same time... I do see a number of conversations emerging in the organization. So at the same time that we have that narrative of survival and looking for stability, there's an emerging a narrative in the organization about the future, right? About some of what you and I have been talking mm-hmm. about here, about the opportunities in the future and about what else is going to be important for us in the future. And I think th- there's mm-hmm. a kind of a notion of, and we've been using this, I think, more publicly, this notion of uh, a company that represents travel for everyone, right? There's a booking for everyone, right? That one of the Mm -hmm. great things, I think, about uh, booking.com is that you look at all sorts of travelers that go to this platform, right, to this marketplace from the uh, whatever, you know, kind of the very wealthy to the not so wealthy, from the individuals who want to go for a very long Mm -hmm. time to a short one, to short destinations, so long. So it's a very Mm -hmm. inclusive type of platform from a perspective of who it caters for, right? It tries to be really inclusive. And I think Mm -hmm. there's been a recognition, an organic recognition of that and a desire to strengthen Mm -hmm. that, right? How can we keep developing an organization that stands for true inclusiveness when you talk about mm-hmm. travel. And that goes into this notion of the mm-hmm. long tail, that different people will travel for very different reasons and they might be looking for very different things in travel. So how do you build an opportunity to cater for those specific needs of individuals, right? So I see those conversations emerging. 
But I think it's early, it's early days in a way, right? So again, because of the size of the organization, there's a lot of focus on making sure we're stable, that we are, you know, protecting or balancing kind of our, our ecosystem, the marketplace, you know, kind of the partners we do business with. How can we support the, the partner ecosystem? Mm-hmm. How can we keep close and relevant to travelers, right? So if people have been traveling more domestically or closer to home, how do we make sure we support that and we we cater for that relevance um, at this time? But, you know, yeah. as, as, as uh, you were talking about, you know, how this moment to kind of reflect, right, has perhaps strengthened some beliefs you had kind of from very early on in your business, but perhaps also opened up new ideas. Can you share a bit more about that? So, you know, on the basis of what we've lived through in the last kind of six months, what has been fundamentally reinforced from kind of in terms of your beliefs, but also what has changed, if anything, right, from what you 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 had in mind a few months ago about uh, travel or your company? Yeah. So I'll start with what has mm-hmm. been reinforced and what I've sort of gotten back to. When I first started the company, it really was using travel as a way to create healing and reconnection, particularly for people of African descent and people living on the continent. You know, I am of the belief that, you know, healing from racism in the way that it started 400 years ago, um, because I think modern day racism really started, you know, with slavery, to be honest, with transatlantic slavery um, specifically. And I think the past, you know, few centuries have really had a thread of this um, woven throughout if we kind of peel back and look at Mm -hmm. development of people. And so I had this wild idea that like a way to sort of create change was to create this reconnection. And I thought that it was important that in doing so, people saw themselves as peers Um, And as equals. And so if you're, you know, African-American, you know, really undoing, you know, the misinformation that we've been given about Africa and vice versa. And I really felt like what I was doing was sort of manifested in the form of a travel company, but really was about beginning to weave a thread amongst Black people Mm -hmm. all around the world. From, you know, Bahia and Brazil to, you know, folks... from Suriname living in Amsterdam, like I felt like if we could see each other in each other, there was some revolutionary change in mindset that could happen. And I thought that travel would be a really beautiful way for us to have exchanges happen in sort of a non-academic or political way, but that would fundamentally change people. And I thought the work should be done within our community. And I always wanted to sort of build something that had a strong community element and a strong narrative element. But as I began going down this sort of tech path, I got further Mm -hmm. and further away from it. So it it really began to be about, like I said, like, what can I repeat? You know, what's the platform? You know, what's the technology we're using? You know, and I really started focusing on that. And I had this sense that something was off. Like even before COVID, I just felt like we're getting far away from, you know, what I thought was the true magic of what we were doing. 
And I thought I was making a trade-off with the idea being like, if I make these trade-offs now and I'm successful, I can kind of come back to that. That was the thinking. But I realized in this moment that leaning into a community and catering to them in a very intentional way was actually like a competitive advantage. So one, it would provide immense value to people who engage with our platform, value that is transformational, right? So when we look at our suppliers who are the type of people who want to be big companies in their own you know, backyard, but don't have access to financing or network. And like, if we center those people who, you know, you go to Salvador de Bahia or you go to Colombia or you go, you know, to South Africa, like there are so many people who have valuable information, approaches, thinking to share, but like their stuff is poached by people that don't look like them, who like know how to monetize and know how to, you know, scale and do all these things. And they're left like at the bottom end of the food chain in travel. Like they're at the bottom, but yet their culture, their beliefs, their rituals, like all the things they do in their communities is used Mm -hmm. to market destinations all the time. And I just felt like they should get a bigger Mm -hmm. share of the pie. And on the opposite side of that, travelers who come for those connections have a different experience interacting with those people. And so I kind of said, leaning into our community is our competitive advantage. Serving them, uplifting them, centering them in everything we do is more important than anything else. And so in this time, I've just created ways for them to speak, for them to support one another, for us to learn more about one another. Right now we have a growing Slack community that literally just is about conversation and connection. And we did like a virtual dinner party the other day and it was like random matching and we Uber eats food to people all over the world. And it was just like, can I scale that? No. But what I do know is our, our audience has grown organically at a faster pace than it was back in wow. January and February. You know, so it just was like, remembering why, why we did this and why it was important and understanding that even as a small company, we could have a big impact on how people are viewed and really stepping into that opportunity. I just wrote an op-ed for Vogue about how the travel industry can center Black people. And yesterday, the editor-in-chief of a far magazine, like a magazine like I stand for and like have loved even before I was in travel, like tweeted the article. Mm. And I was thinking like, we, by focusing on who we intended to uplift, we could really do something major, not just in this industry, but in the world. And um, that has been really beautiful to see. And, you know, there was a time when talking about this to investors would have been like a no-no. It would have been like, no, everyone should be able to use this platform. And you need to just say that. And it needs to be. And and now it's like, no, actually, I want to perfect it for like this community. And I think this community has things that everybody will want to access eventually. But I want to focus here and being bullish about that and not being afraid to say that that's what we're doing um, has been really special. In terms of what 
maybe is different. I think there was a time where I kind of thought we could only be one note, right? You know, it's like you have to do one thing so people are clear about what you're doing and what your product is. But because of COVID, we've necessarily had to experiment and try different things and, you know, rethink our offering. And it's been really beautiful to see that, like, we actually can be, like, a pretty significant player on the content side and still have, you know, a subscription business and still maybe have a travel Mm -hmm. component. So the idea that we have to fit in one Mm -hmm. box in order to be successful was something I think I had bought into because that's the story you have to tell. Mm -hmm. And I think the biggest shift for me is like, as an entrepreneur, you get so much advice. Everyone's telling you what you should be doing, how you should be doing. And being an entrepreneur, you can't do that without a parallel process of self-discovery and self-mastery. I think you, you have to do both of those things at the same time if you haven't sort of already done self-mastery before becoming an entrepreneur. And self-mastery is also about being able to listen to yourself, understand your intuition, take in inputs, but check them against what you know to be true. And I think having that and, and COVID sort of helping that, accelerating that process for me as an individual has enabled me to take in information and say like, yeah, that makes sense. Or I hear you, thanks for the input, but we're still going to do it this way. And that can be really scary as a early stage entrepreneur. You're, you know, we're far from like success, check, done it, you know, but understanding that like now that is a requirement for me is like being able to do that and not fit in a box and understand that like we get to build something altogether different if we want to. And I think that's been a big shift for me, like a huge, huge, huge shift. And it's scary because you're not always going to have folks support Mm -hmm. on the direction you're going, but, you know, having conviction is more important to me than sort of appeasing other people. And I think that is a big shift for me both as an entrepreneur, but also, I guess, as an individual. There's so much packed into what you said. I mean, I I could go (laughs) on in so many different directions, right? Just the kinds of things you're, you know, sending me into in terms of uh, important reflections, right? But I think this very last bit you you say about the importance of conviction, right? Of of being a bit kind of stubborn, so to speak. It's such a critical Mm -hmm. trait, I think, for entrepreneurs, right? Because as you say, everyone around you, has an opinion, right? And advices too, but opinions as well. And, and mm-hmm. if you fall into the um, kind of trap of trying to appease everyone, then, you know, kind of it's it's a almost certain recipe for dilution, right? For you to go into lots of different directions and to lose, I think, your own integrity, right? Is what's, um, what's really this about. And what you said about the why, right, is so important as well, right? You start with a why and to continue to question that why, right? Which I think I hear you saying that this this um, space dealing with the crisis has given you that space to really kind of go back into the why and revisit that, right? And for me, there's a parallel even with travel, right? I think when I hear about what you say about what you've been building for travel, for me is a 
You know, there's this notion, well, I mean, everyone knows when you do a path, you know, for the first time, right? Any kind of walking, cycling, or whatever it is, it feels longer, right? Because because you're not quite sure, you haven't seen the details, or maybe you're concerned about getting lost, so you pay more attention, or whatever it is, for whatever reason, you do it the first, second time, it feels longer, and a few times into it, it feels fast, right? Because you go on autopilot, right? You've memorized it, and you don't have to think about it, and you can be daydreaming or doing about, you know, thinking about whatever it is. I think travel, in general, has a, has a bit of that, 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 uh, that, that characteristic, right? Which is that it kind of, yeah. it, it, it's like a, an ignition for you to move out of your day-to-day autopilot and see things a bit differently. But increasingly, yeah. I think also as travel has become uh, perhaps easier or, or anyways has become more mainstream, um, you may have lost some of that, right? Because, because yeah. in, in a way, you do want to make travel easier for everyone. That's absolutely, I think, a given because you know, nobody wants to have problems with travel. But at the same time, yeah. you don't want them to lose kind of that sense of the why, right? Why are you traveling? And people will travel for different reasons, right? They'll travel mm-hmm. either to kind of get away from wherever they are. Uh, because they need that mm-hmm. break, or maybe it's moving towards, right? So it might be a push or a pull moving towards because you want to grow, you want to discover, you're curious, or you want to reconnect, or you want to disconnect, or you want to let something go, or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So there's that sense that I think just like when you know you engage, for example, with reading a book, and you engage with why are you reading it, what are you looking for in mm-hmm. it, or watching a movie, or doing whatever in a more deliberate fashion, it changes the experience, right? And, and I hear you say that very much, right? This notion that you, know, you have had to go much deeper into your convictions, into kind of your why, to come up with something that's stronger. And when you do that, then all of a sudden this notion of going in different directions, you know, being in content, being in travel, kind of in the community building and events or whatever it is, doesn't feel like a dilution, right? Because it feels very Absolutely. grounded in that kind of that uh, original or authentic vision you have to begin with, right? And I think that's super powerful. It's super inspirational to hear that as part of your journey. Thank you. I mean, I, you know, when I think about travel now and where I really hope the industry goes, I think this piece around consumers asking themselves why is something I really hope happens a lot. Like, I really hope that when we start getting on planes again and really discovering the world, I really hope that the time that people have had to be still, or at least the time where they just didn't feel safe traveling, makes those first departures something they really reflect on and and consider. And it's something I hope the industry helps people do as well. So I think in how the industry presents destinations, presents conversations, even down to the experience. I mean, you look at what Delta did and how thoughtful they've been about COVID and safety and the messaging. And I mean, I took my first flight um, just about a month ago mm-hmm. since everything shut down. And I just thought, wow, this is really considered. Like This felt really considered. And it was small things like the language they use to give you safety messaging and and the fonts they chose. And, you know, I'm a design person. So I mm. think about these things a lot and notice mm-hmm. and notice these things. And I think there's a huge opportunity for our industry to help that questioning and seeking and asking why that travelers all over the world are doing as they begin to think about 
travel again. I think there's a place the industry can sit in sort of helping spark that and in, in helping that along. Um, and I also think we just have an opportunity to truly, the travel industry is the industry where dreams happen. You know, mm-hmm. like if we move out mm-hmm. of the transaction of it all, it is the place where people's dreams of life and how they can live and how they can exist. We are the industry that that happens, you know, travel and entertainment, but travel is such a more tangible and personal way to live your dreams. And I, I think that what would be beautiful is if we move from seeing ourselves purely as another sector and really understand that our power, no matter where we sit in this industry, is to transform lives. Yeah. And on every side of the equation, I think of it as like, how do we as an industry make a world a better place for everyone who chooses to wander and for those who make wandering worthwhile? Like, that's how I think about it. We just have such a huge opportunity to be leaders and how people in the world see themselves and each other. And I really want us to lean into that. Like, that's really what I hope in this space where we're trying to survive, that we also, you know, in thinking about thriving, understand the position we have in the world, which I think is unique to our industry. Yeah, I, 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 you know, I couldn't agree more. I think what you said about this personal element of travel, right, and versus kind of entertainment, I think, you know, I see the travel as, you know, unlike general entertainment and travel, you are the protagonist, right? Mm, you, you're, you, I love that. You know, you're the one that has to make it happen, right? Mm-hmm. And then the question is, once you are the protagonist, because you're planning the travel, you're deciding where you go, you might be doing it on your own, you might be doing it with friends, you might be doing it with family, right? But there's a sense of, of agency, right, in mm. the act of travel. And then the question becomes, what are you going to do with that protagonism, right? Is this notion of when you prime someone for something, right? All these experiments that are done, right? If, if I prime you to feel empowered, then when you go into a situation that might call for you to change the world around you, there's more of a chance you'll change it if you feel empowered, mm-hmm. right? And there's this ample kind of research around the things they do like... Um, experiments putting people in a room to do a test you know with mm-hmm. paper and there's a fan pointed at the table the desk they're doing the paper filling and the ones that were primed to be protagonists so to speak are more likely to change the direction of the fan so it stops bothering them mm. and the paper, paper doesn't fly and the ones that haven't been primed for that they will tend just to stay there <laughs> enduring <laughs> enduring right the fan on their paper so this notion that once you go into that protagonism on the act of travel what are you going to do what else can you do right from yeah. that place of protagonism yeah and how do you connect with people in the other end and i think when you are doing something that has this element of community or marketplace right as you have been developing as booking is as some other companies are there's this notion as you say also you sit in the middle and it can really have an impact not just on the traveler but it can have an impact on the whole on the whole ecosystem right and that that feels like a very hopeful place for me when i was um 
at university, I came across this NGO called IESEC. I don't know if you came across mm -hmm. them. They're a global NGO run by students. Mm -hmm. They do a number of different things, but most of what they do is they help promote exchange of students or kind of people who are early in their career between different countries around the world. And they were born in Europe, in the post-Second World War Europe, mm -hmm. with the notion that by exchanging students between different countries, it might broaden their perspective and build stronger bridges between the countries. So they may see by living in a different country and working there that actually we have much more in common, right, than we have of difference, right? Mm -hmm. And to your point of seeing kind of each other as equals. And, you know, in a way, what I see as, I think just like you, as the power of travel is, of course, you know, there's a very powerful and deep experience if you do that through you know, living for a few months. But the question I have and the ambition I, I guess we have for the sector is how much of that can you do also, not just by living for a number of months, but by experiencing it for a shorter period, right? And by, but by connecting with that experience prior to it and after it, and by repeating it, and by continuing to, to use travel as a way to discover yourself in the world, right? Because at the end of the day, it's not about discovering other places, right? Or other people. It's realizing realizing who you are when you are kind of taking in those new experiences and connecting with new people, right? Absolutely. I love everything you said. I'm just like, finger snaps, finger snaps, because it, <laughs> it is. And I think travel will come back because that is a necessary part of our human yeah. experience. And yeah. I think it, it's just our job to figure out in the time where the world needs to literally heal, like literally, you know, how does our industry play a part of it? How do we find ways to intentionally create space for people to use travel as healing? You know, the destinations. Yeah. I, I um, was on a video call with a guy called Sebastian, who is like the best tour guide of the Cape Coast dungeons in Ghana. And it broke my heart. Because he was saying, like, the castles are closed because UNESCO shut them down um, to do some uh, refurbishment so that they could mm -hmm. be um, better protected from COVID. But then there was like, this question of, like, who's going to pay for it? You know, who's going to pay yeah. for these recommendations that UNESCO has handed down? And now this site, you know, that provides income for an entire community, it is the realization of a dream for hundreds of thousands of people who go there every year. And my question is like, why doesn't the travel world know that they don't know how they're going to pay for that? And that this, yeah. this is something that, you know, so I, I think like there are some structural things we can do beyond storytelling and narrative, but to, to understand the impact of things like that. And I think you can probably find examples of this all over the world where there's just like a, a fragmentation between, you know, those of us growing and operating companies, you know, big or small with influence and the nitty gritty mm -hmm. of what happens on the ground. Yep. And I think there is an opportunity here for us to connect those dots and for us to be thoughtful, just be thoughtful at every step of the journey, understanding, I mean, we've got, you know, people based all over the world. How are we, creating space for people to share, you know, what's going on. Like you work in sort of organizational development. Like I think there's a lot to be done internally mm -hmm. as much as we think about sort of the external factors in travel coming back. But it just made me think about 
um, Sebastian and how that felt to me. And now I'm like, how are we going to fix this? You know? So yeah, yeah, I think internally and externally, there's a lot we can do. Yeah, I agree. I mean, there's uh, something you say that, um, I think it reminded me of this notion we talked about, uh, I think, Delta and other examples where you've seen more care, right, coming up in a number of instances. And I think, you know, it may very well be that care is not everywhere, but certainly given uh, how hard things have been, where you see care, it clearly stands out. Right? Yeah. So I think there's an opportunity there for more and more you know, people, groups, organizations, governments, you name it, to focus more on care, yeah. right? To kind of to paying more attention. And I think given the magnitude of the health crisis we have, uh, it has perhaps opened up an opportunity for people to live almost like first person, this notion of interdependency, right? This notion of system, mm. right? We talk mm. about it. Climate change is a big topic that's been all around us, but it's it's hard to to touch it, right? Because it's something that feels like so big and so long-term and so far away sometimes. Of course, in some countries you see it closer. But in the other hand, the virus, right, has come kind of just Mm. next door in a very real way to all of us. Nobody challenges the notion that this is based on interdependency, right? It's something that kind of travels around the world and is is everywhere. So I, I also kind of have this hope that this is perhaps kind of triggering this, you know, space in our, our mind or perhaps in our bodies where we realize that notion of interdependency, right, and connectedness, yeah. that right now it's happening perhaps for, for kind of not for good, but kind of the other yeah. way around. But that stays, that sentiment, right? And if what comes to my mind, right, as an image is if, if, you, if we realize now how kind of closely connected we all are, once things get better or significantly better, why wouldn't I want to go around the world and meet and greet kind of my fellow brothers and sisters, right? It's just, I don't know, kind of an, um, a hope, I guess, if there's a big silver lining at the end of this whole situation. I completely agree. I completely agree. I think virtual has enabled us to connect with people all over the world, all over the time mm-hmm. zones in different ways. And I think a lot of it is like a shared empathy. Like we, we have a shared pain, but there's also a shared empathy because we understand it. Like you said, when the world opens up, I think people will be very anxious to mm. make those things real and, and to feel like tangibly touch humanity again in a way that we haven't been able to. And I'm excited for that. Like I'm really, really honestly and truly excited to see that happen. This has been so awesome. It's been lovely to talk to you. Yes. Same thing. Look, it's been such a pleasure. And I'm looking forward to learning more about kind of your projects, what you're doing, you know, at the House of Beautiful Business, but not only. So it's I'm so grateful, right, that we were connected through this project. And, uh, you know, I'd love to, you know, to keep in touch, learn more, to help support you and the project, you know, however I can, because it's... uh, (laughs) close to my heart, everything I've heard you, you say about it. And, and I don't know much, yes, same, so same. I, I'd love to learn more. So um, yeah, <laughs> this is super. What Monica said was right. I guess you get to that hour and somehow it like magically is like. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yes. It was so lovely talking yes. to you, Paolo. This has been a wonderful conversation and 
I appreciate learning about you and hearing and just sharing our love for travel and our love for people, which is something I think came out a lot in our conversation. So thank you. No, thank you as well, Cherry. I mean, it's been great to travel with you in this conversation. You've been a great, great travel companion. And yeah, thanks. I mean, you really um, inspired me on a number of things. So lots to think about after this call. Bye. <laughs> Bye. That was a very uplifting conversation, wasn't it? Um, so much hope in there. The hope that when the world opens up, as Cherie said, that there's going to be an outburst of yeah, desire, wanting to travel, exploring the world, meeting other people, connecting in different ways, a new openness, a new yeah, appetite for seeing the world with different eyes. So I feel very encouraged by this conversation. And I think if anything it has shown us that we cannot not travel, either we travel inside or outside ourselves, but travel is, an, is a human right. <laughs> it just came to my mind a quote that I had, I think also in season one, that is from Marcel Proust, basically. So the true journey of discovery is not to see foreign lands, but to see the existing one with foreign eyes. And I think what we all experienced is somehow a travel and journey, but it's more a journey of self-discovery because suddenly the travel to go from A to B was not possible. And I think that opened basically the space to focus on your inner self, reflect, understand yourself a little bit better, which is, I think, a very enriching exercise uh, I think we all have taken in, in the times of COVID-19. I think it's one of the things that, that were interesting doing or are interesting during the pandemic that, yes, I mean, the privileged amongst us, we were still able to travel, at least domestically. But I, for example, I didn't really go to new places much. So, And what Chere said, doing a path for the first time, it feels longer than the following times. So I'm really eager to go to new places again and, and travel a path for the first time again. I'm missing that. How about you? I think the obvious things have become so precious now. And I think that's the enriching part that I meant. I think beforehand, you have taken things for granted. And now you see the things... Do you remember in our childhood how often we traveled? It wasn't that often, to be honest. And I think it was a little bit of a flashback for me, actually. And then you're suddenly you're forced to cope with yourself. So it brings it back to the very essence. And I think when it hopefully everything opens up and the travel is coming back, I think that's the land we will see then with different eyes. So I really love that conversation and that episode of the Next Visions and House of Video Business podcast. You will find further episodes on the existing platforms. Tim, it was a pleasure to have you in this Likewise. podcast. Looking forward to it and enjoy the further episodes. 